Well, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, I want to just um, continue this series that we uh, have been on beginning uh, last week um, called Impact. And today I want to share a message that I'm calling Available and Open. And I, this week as I began to prepare, as I began to study... I was just looking at this word available quite a bit, and, and it has a really kind of a unique set of definitions that I want to just quickly share with you, really three different aspects. And the first one is this. It means accessible or obtainable, present and ready for immediate use. And I thought, man, that's, that is a powerful definition. But then I I went to the next one, and it said free and able to do something at a particular time. I thought, man, that really applies. And then I got to the last one that was qualified and willing to do something or to assume a responsibility. And as I began to prepare, I thought, you know, that really is going to provide me with my framework for talking about this idea of being available and open. So I want to start with accessible. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, we find one of the most miraculous portions of the Old Testament. Um, I don't want to let him steal too much of, the, the, of this particular point, um, but there's a prophet named <clears throat> Elijah. And if you've never read about Elijah in 1 Kings 18, I want to encourage you to do so. God did some amazing things uh, as Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven, it was, it was just an incredible scene. And, and this, this prophet, he was standing against a very wicked king and queen of Israel. He was really probably the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And now it's time for God to begin to lead him to appoint a replacement for his ministry. Now, that would be, I think, I think a pretty big challenge. <clears throat> and really, all we read is that, is that Elijah is, is going along and he sees a man named Elisha. Now, <clears throat> if I were God and I were writing the story of, of, of Scripture, I would not choose two guys with virtually identical names to follow one another because it's confusing, <clears throat> And so you hear of Elijah and you hear of Elisha and all you think of is either one. It doesn't, it's like they're, inter, but they're not interchangeable. And Elisha was the replacement and he starts out as, as merely a servant. But what happens is Elijah, the prophet, the powerful man of God, who has literally prayed down fire from heaven, and, and, and is known that, that this guy is God's man. And he sees Elisha plowing with oxen. It means he's a what? I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Farmers, that's good stuff. He's a farmer. He's plowing with oxen. There are 12 yoke of oxen that are plowing a field, and he is driving the 12th team himself. And Elijah the prophet comes near him and he lays his, the Bible says he lays his, his cloak or his mantle over Elisha's neck. Thank you, bud. Appreciate that very much. 
It pays to have kids, doesn't it? <laughs> see that, Dan and Jill? You see that? I'm just going to take a moment and enjoy that. <clears throat> so he puts this cloak over Elisha's neck, and he doesn't even explain what he's doing. Think about that for a second. In fact, the scripture tells us that Elisha must have understood it because he asked for permission to go home and say goodbye to his parents. And the prophet got ticked off. What have I ever asked of you before? Well, well, this is the first time we've ever talked, so I, I don't know really what to say to that. But he understood that this cloak over his shoulders, this mantle, in fact, we understand the term mantle. Mantle is something, an authority that one can pick up from another, okay? It's something that can be given to us from God. It's, it, there's, there's, there's something of substance to it that we previously did not have. And so there's this understanding that something is going to happen. There's going to be some transfer of something. In fact, we find out much later in ministry that Elisha only asked God for one thing, and that was a double portion of the Spirit of God that Elijah had. And Elisha, we read in Scripture, God used him to do twice as many miracles as Elijah had done. But there's something going on here, even though he doesn't explain it. But what Elisha does next really reveals a lot about his thinking. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 21. And here's what it says. So Elisha left him, meaning Elijah, and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. That's amazing to me. There, there's no job description. You ever think about that? There's no dis job description for Elisha. There's no explanation of what was going to be required. But he willingly left the familiarity of home he left the family farm. There's, there, there can be a lot of pressure, folks, when it comes to, to families, okay? When it comes to having a family business, when it comes to having a family farm. I have a friend of mine who, um, on his farm, they milked cows for 150 years on, his, on the property that his family farmed. 150 years and under his leadership, it was the first time that that farm never milked cows, and it broke his heart because they were making more money off of eggs than they were milk. There's a, there, I'm telling you, it's, it's challenging. And, but Elisha left his family. He left the farm, and literally what he did when he burned the, 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 the plow, when he sacrificed the oxen, let me tell you what he was doing. He was getting rid of the fallback option, okay? Because here's what we do. When we talk about being accessible to God, we think things like, well, I can do it, but if I can always go back. I can always go back to farming. 
That the idea of available, it's accessible or obtainable, present and ready for immediate use. First Peter chapter three and verse 15. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks and to give the reason for the hope you have. God is looking for people who are ready. God is looking for people that are prepared, that are ready right now in the here and now and the present who will be uh, accessible to him, obtainable to him and ready for immediate use. Peter said, always be ready, always be prepared, even if it's just to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. I believe that God is looking for men and women and young people who are willing to burn the fallback plan. Secondly, the idea of available is to be free. Free and able to do something at a particular time. I, I have to be honest with you, I think of calendar. I think of schedule, Okay. I don't, I don't know about you guys. I don't know what you do for calendar. I don't know what you do for your schedule. But I, I woke up in the hospital two years ago with an Apple Watch, okay? And I'm, I'm being serious. I, my family, you know, they, somebody found out that there's a heart rate monitor on the watch, and they're like, that. we got to get that for Dad. Yeah, we, ha- we just, you know, he, he had cardiac arrest, open heart surgery. We better get him an Apple Watch. And plus, my wife's love language is giving gifts. So, I mean, it just fit perfectly um, with my family. And so, it just automatically, I had this watch. And I found out something about this watch is that this watch works with my phone. And, And when I put something in my calendar on my phone... My watch tells me when I set an alert for one hour before, if I'm meeting with Barb for the thrift store and I say, I put in there an alert for one hour beforehand, it, it buzzes me on my wrist telling me that I have that meeting an hour from now. And it buzzes me again at a half an hour from now because I set two alarms for every meeting that I have. When we think about free, being free, being able to do something at a particular time, we think about our calendar, we think about our schedule. Now, in the study of time, there's really two basic ways that cultures value time. The first one is called monochronic, and it's where time is divided up into specific units. It's planned and it's governed. In cultures that, that value time this way, time is, is a, a very highly valued asset which you can either use frivolously or judiciously and it's all about getting the job done. You say, well, I don't, I don't know. Is that how we use time? Well, if you're a parent and you have kids and you come home from work and your kid's been home for a couple of hours after school, what's the first question you ask your kid when, when you walk in? What have you been doing since you've been home? Did you get the jobs done that I told you to get done? Come on, what's going on? What have you done with your time? We are completely this kind of culture, okay? This is us. 
When, when, you, when, I, when I block off time in my schedule, in my day, I don't do it in three-hour increments generally. I do it generally in one-hour increments, okay? And I, I realize that if I have an hour and, and I'm going to be meeting with somebody, and I pro, I, many times I'll have something else booked right after that on the next hour. That's how we do our time here in this culture, in Western civilization. But on the other side of things, there's something called polychronic, and that is where the perception of time is so much less formal. And it's not really attentive to the passing of every minute and every hour. I mean, sometimes when we look at the clock, you ever look at the clock and go, man, where is the day gone? I haven't got anything accomplished yet. In that kind of culture, a polychronic culture, they don't do that. Because they don't look at time as something that they have to use and get something accomplished. They can be getting something done without getting anything done. Okay? And I, I'm being serious. They, they pay much closer attention to cultural tradition, to relationships rather than specific accomplishments. These cultures are not governed by their calendars or appointments. They're more fluid as it relates to time. And it's more about the ebb and flow of life. And there are, there are even some of our uh, places in Western civilization, even some places in the U.S. where they will use both types of time simultaneously. If you go to Hawaii, you'll hear people talk about island time, okay? Island time, hey, uh, um, I don't know if Mike's here, but missionary time. Have you ever heard of missionary time before? Missionary time is Americans who have learned polychronic time overseas, and then they come back, and it's a tough adjustment for them because they've learned from a culture that values time in a completely different way. Nikki, well, I see Evan's big head of hair uh, bopping up and down, so I can tell he's agreeing with that. Okay, good. At least I know I'm on the right track. I've got confirmation of a witness who's, who's lived overseas right there. So it's different in how we look at time. In America, we have a button on our microwaves, okay, that says popcorn. Because we are too lazy to punch in 300. Are you with me? And then... I'm telling you, we have a young appeal here at Silver Creek. So like, Taylor, they're all getting to your level. We, we, punch that, we punch that word popcorn on our microwave, and then we wonder what we're going to do with ourselves for three minutes while we wait. We, we were like, what could I do to use my time? We, we're time-driven people. It's got to be instant. It's got to be now. That's how we use our time. So before Jesus began his public ministry, he starts by choosing a group of men who we now call his disciples. Now, Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel, they, they record like almost identical descriptions of, of one particular encounter. Jesus is, just imagine you're walking up the beach, okay? Imagine that you're in a, 
a warm climate and you're walking up the beach. Jesus is walking up the beach and he encounters a couple of sets of brothers and, and it happens like fairly close in proximity. The first brothers are Peter and Andrew and, and he says, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men, come follow me. And it says they, they dropped their nets and they came and followed Jesus. But then they came on a second set of brothers named James and John. And James and John, this encounter is a little different than the one with Peter and Andrew because Jesus never said, I'll make you fishers of men. He just says, come follow me. That's all he says. But, but there's a difference between these two sets of brothers. Peter and Andrew, they were, they were two guys that were kind of, they were starting their own business, okay? They, were, they, were, they had their own nets. Maybe they had a boat. But James and John, they were the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. And their dad had employees in their business, okay? So Jesus comes up and says, follow me. And it says that they left their nets, they left their dad and the employees, and they followed Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat and the, with the hired men and followed him. He didn't even tell them about making them fishers of men. We, we literally, there's no application. There's, there's no, you know, there, there, there's, there's no um, online application. There's no, there, you know, there's, there's no handwritten out application. There's no interview process. There's no 90-day probationary period, okay? All he does is say, follow me and immediately Jesus calls them without delay because he's operating under the leading of the Holy Spirit. These guys are fishermen. They worked with their dad in their family business. And kids who grow up in the family business do things that other kids aren't allowed to do. 14-year-old kids that are on the farm, they drive tractors, okay? 14-year-old kids that grow up in the burbs mow the yard. It's different, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I had a friend named Mark whose dad owned a milk hauling business. And so all the trucks would leave from Dean's Dairy in the city of Janesville and they would go out to the local farms and collect the milk. And when one of his drivers would call in sick, Mark's dad would come into Mark's bedroom and wake Mark up and say, Mark, you got to drive. And a 14-year-old boy would climb into the milk truck and he would drive the route. He didn't have a driver's license. He didn't have a permit. He had a family business. And that's just what you do. When you have a family business, there's a little bit more expectation. And let me tell you something. The family business would have been passed down from Zebedee to his sons as a way for them to support their families in the future. This is a real business. There's employees. This is a real deal. But seemingly without any thought, James and John left it all to follow Jesus. 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, he said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. If we're going to make an impact for God, we need to be willing sometimes to walk away from something that has been planned out for our future. We need to be willing to walk away from what makes sense. I'm sure that James and John thought to themselves, well, you know what? Maybe they never even had this thought because they were such young men. They probably didn't think, how am I going to make money? I'll bet you none of them asked Jesus about a retirement plan. Their mother did eventually. She said, I want, I want my boys to be on your right and left hand when you come into your glory. I want, none of them probably said, Jesus, does this company have a 401k plan? They just followed him. That's all they did. They simply followed him. I'm not suggesting that, that we don't put thought into our future. I'm not suggesting that we don't put thought into how we're going to make a living and take care of our family. But I don't think that James and John thought, if this whole disciple gig doesn't work out, what's going to be the plan? If we're overly protective of our time, how are we going to be able to say yes to God when he's looking for people who are free to get involved in what he's doing in order to make an impact? If you are blessed enough to live 80 years on this earth, that's 3,522,880,000 seconds. My question is, how many of those seconds will you be free for God to use you to make an impact? And thirdly, that definition of available talks about being qualified and willing. Now, I don't think many of us feel qualified in this area, but I love the word willing. Willing to do something or to assume a responsibility. In any organization, there can be a bottleneck when leaders do not want to share responsibility with others, and the early church was no exception. By the beginning of Acts chapter 5, the church had grown from the 120 that were in the upper room, maybe a few hundred others, now to 5,000 people. And we know from reading scripture that was only men and probably younger men, boys we would call them, as at maybe 12 and over. There were no women, there were no girls that were included in that number. So rather than 5,000, this could be a number that is, that is probably more than double that number. And that's the, the amount of people that are in the church. Let's say it was ten to 15,000 people in the church in just a matter of a few short weeks. The size of the church is growing so rapidly that the disciples are struggling under the strain of the numbers. And here's what they do in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, 
It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. It's not the disciples, that the disciples were unwilling to perform menial tasks. In fact, they watched Jesus wash the feet of everybody in that room. They saw Jesus. He was a servant of all. And they were not saying we're not willing to serve, but they did realize that their primary purpose and calling was to serve by preaching and spreading the gospel. They discovered that they had to be willing to release responsibility to those who were able and willing to take up those responsibilities. They didn't even decide the ones that would be chosen. They just said, choose from among you seven. And it seemed like a really good idea to everyone who was involved. So they picked seven people and those who were chosen, they may or may not have felt qualified to do what they were being asked to do. But I think it's interesting that we don't read that any of them declined. We don't read that any of them complained or had qualms. And one of them in particular the power of God rested on in such a powerful way. It says that Stephen performed great wonders and signs in the power of God. So God used him amazingly. The apostle Paul, whom himself was one of the best examples of being open and available, he wrote to his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And he said, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Paul even addresses Timothy's age. He says, don't let anybody discourage you because you're young. Timothy, just be willing. Present yourself to God. Be ready. Be willing. Be able. Be qualified. And be ready to say yes. Psalm 51, 12, the psalmist writes, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Friends, God is looking for people who are willing to make an impact on the world. And you know what? Qualification matters just about zero because whom God calls, he qualifies. I have a friend that went to Bible camp in the summertime the way many of our young people go to camp. He was one of 10 sons. His dad was the biggest car dealer in a four-state area out west. And that summer he went to camp. And while he was at camp, the Holy Spirit came on him in a powerful way. And God called him into the ministry. He went home from Bible camp and he told his dad that God had called him. Now that presented a problem because you see my friend out of all of those 10 boys in that family, he was the one that had it. He was the one that had the business understanding 
that had the capacity, that had the learning, that had the drive to be the one that would lead that car dealership into the future. And dad had already chosen him. And so at the dinner table, he said, Dad, God has called me into the ministry. And so at the end of my senior year, I'm going to go off to Bible college so that I can be a pastor. And his dad said, if you leave, don't bother ever coming back. Imagine the weight of that sort of a willingness, that sort of being free and available to God, that sort of accessibility to God for a young person. Not long after he got in ministry, he became a lead pastor of a church of about 50, and today that church is about 3,500 to 4,000 people. I'm really glad that their relationship eventually was restored. But he had to be willing to say yes to God. Today, I believe that that same call goes out. I believe that God is looking for men and women and young people who will be accessible to him. I believe that he's looking for people that will say, you know what, God, my time is yours. Do what you want. I'm not going to be worried about what time it is. We are so time-driven. Some of you knew that I'm at the 30-minute point in 30 seconds, and you already knew it. We joke about that stuff. We joke because sometimes kids will say to their parents, is he done yet? We're so, we're so driven by time in our society that even to sit and listen to the word of God being declared, we're like, hey, what's next? What's next? But God wants to know, is there a people? Is there a people that I can call? Is there a people who are available to me? They've made their time available to me. They've made their lives available to me. They've made their gifts available to me. And they're ready and they're willing to do what I have called them to do. You see, I I believe that God has a plan for Silver Creek Church. He wants to use us to impact our community. He wants to use us to impact the lives of men and women and young people in a greater way. He wants to use us to reach around the world. But if we're not available to him, he can't use us. I believe that there are missionaries that are yet to be called and go on the field that God wants to use us to send. I believe that there are people in this church that God has a plan for you for ministry God has a plan for you for the mission field. He has a call on your life. And you will have to answer the question, are you available to him? I believe that there are people in our community that that need a touch from God. They need particular needs in their life met. 
And as a church family, we have to say whether or not we're willing, whether or not we're, we're free to do it, whether or not we've got time in our schedules. And believe me, we all have to answer that question. And no one can answer it for us. It's, it's just us, just, just us. I can only answer for myself. When somebody asks me, do I have time to do something? I, I, I've got to look at my schedule. I've got to ask my wife, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I've got to answer for myself. Am I able? Am I willing to do it? And I believe that God wants to ask of us today, are you, are you available? I don't even know what he's asking what you're available for. You may not know it. God is, has, maybe has not even revealed it, but he simply wants to know, are you available? Are you willing? Are you free? Are you accessible to me? And I believe that's what he wants. He wants our availability.